Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collaborative Edges, conversations to inspire collaborative initiatives across languages and cultures. I am Rocio Quispeagnoli, Professor of Hispanic Studies at Michigan State University and the host of Collaborative Edges. Today, we will talk about African arts and photography with Malik Shitu, Yusuf Sakali, and Candice Keller, Associate Professor of African Art History and Visual Culture at Michigan State University. Welcome. The West African country of Mali has long been home to a creative community of photographers. An exhibit that opened last night at the Michigan State University Museum explores the works of five Malian photographers whose works document the region's transition from colonial French Africa to the independent nation of Mali. I would like to start the conversation by posing a question to all our guests today. Would you please introduce yourself um, state your name and your primary connection to the project, Malik. Yeah, my name is Malik Shitu. I'm the son of uh, one of the sons of Tijani Shitu, a photographer who's has, having one of his uh, works, you know, in the exhibition that started yesterday. So I live here in Connecticut in the United States. Okay, thank you. Yusuf? Yusuf Sakali, I'm the son of Abdrahman Sakali, one of the five photographers concerned by this project. I've, I'm also the local project manager in Bamako for the MIM-MAP project. And yes, I'm here today, you know, to, to, for the launch and the exhibition in MSU. Very, very happy for that. I'm Candace, I'm Keller. I'm the director for the Archive of Malian Photography. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to know uh, from all of you, how did the archive of Malian photography develop and what was your role, each of your roles in this in this development? Okay, so um, as a local project manager, you know, I have a double, uh, let's say, role, you know. First, my first role as a son is, you know, to be sure the archive of my family will be uh, will be treated in the good good way uh, through this project and uh, rehoused and put in digital version so that uh, we can have this archive as long as possible with us. You know, it's a matter of uh, uh, maintaining this archive for uh, long years again. And as a local project manager, my role is to also, you know, to to to, to be here for the, all the communication around the project. Uh, on the ground and to assure that, you know, quality on the ground is respected and also uh, to manage the team locally uh, in general. Okay, okay thank you. Uh, Malik, what about you? Yeah, uh, as a primary custodian of my father's archives, so when I was, I met a professor, Kenneth Keller, in 2004 in Bamako in Mali, and she, uh, we were introduced uh, to each other by Malik Silibe who passed away last year. And uh, when she visited our home and our father's studio, and she saw, you know, how our uh, negatives were stored, they were not properly done, not just our father's works, but so many other Malian photographers as well that she had the opportunity to work with. And then she encouraged us and told us the benefit of getting them digitized archives and with the uh, possibility of getting them, you know, reaching a bigger audience as well, having, you know, make it accessible, you know, to the wild world 
if you know we go through that path and that's why we get it i was i became involved in this project okay that's that's so important to create these archives and to make them visible um in in general candice so this project as uh, malik Shitu mentioned i've been uh, conducting research on the histories of photographic practice in mali since 2001 and in the process, I've worked with over 100 photographers in the archives and the archival custodians. And the three main issues that were brought to my attention from these families, or sometimes the photographers themselves, was the physical preservation was a concern uh, because, because of flooding, because of heat, because of uh, dust and other issues. Um, they many had been lost already, some of the earliest collections. And then uh, because um, they're private archives, they're not accessible to local audiences, let alone international audiences. And with the popularity of Sidi Keita and Malik Sidi Bey, for example, uh, it was important to tell the stories of other important photographers and to contextualize those works so that there wasn't sort of a false... Um, narrative about these histories. And then the third thing was that because in the 1990s, um, commercial photography became popular in international art markets with the rise, for example, of, of Malik Sidibe and Sadie Keita and popularity, um, some unscrupulous dealers, collectors, and even scholars would try to locate other archives and collections to launch them into the international sphere. And uh, they would say things like, well, you don't have the means locally to print large scale. We want to have an exhibition of your father's work somewhere in Europe. So we need to, quote unquote, borrow the negatives so that um, we can do this and we will invite you to the opening, at which point we'll return the negatives to you. And the exhibitions happened. Uh, Photographs were sold, publications happened, uh, in some cases these ended up in journals, uh, in one case on the cover of African Arts, for example, and in other cases there are calendars, there's websites offering these things for sale, but the families were not invited, they did not, in many cases were not able to reclaim their negatives, and so it's an issue of exploitation and theft, much like the concern we have for Jenny Geno terracottas in Mali or uh, Timbuktu manuscripts. And so we wanted to try to address cultural heritage preservation, uh, global accessibility, and the physical preservation of the archives themselves. Yes, yes. Uh, building these archives and um, making them accessible and especially to preserve um, all many features of uh, the region and the nation. It's it's so important. It res resonates a lot with um, what is happening with indigenous photographers of South America, which is what I my my own area of of interest. And all what you are saying, it's it, there are so many um, similarities. Candice, what photographers' archives have been included included in the project at this point? So we have representatives from three different cities in Mali. So that's Bamako, the capital city, uh, Segu, and Mopti. And those are Mamadou Sisse, uh, Abderman Sakali, Tijani Shitu, um, Malik Sidibe, and Adama Kuyate. Okay. And when were these photographs taken, the, the time frame, the timeline, and what do they depict, if we can say, of general topics or... Sure. So there are actually three different generations uh, of photographers uh, within this collection. So the earliest uh, started working in the 1940s, and um, the, that would be Mamadi Sisse, and um, all the way up through the, well, 
today, actually, the 21st century in the case of Malik Sidibe, for example, uh, and Adam Okuyate also. Uh, so covers several decades and periods from colonial, the colonial period, and, and some of these photographers work for the colonial government. Uh, the transition to independence and a national government uh, in 1960, and some of these photographers worked also for the national government. And then um, through a, social, a socialist government, through democracy, through all sorts of uh, moments, uh, political and cultural uh, transitions. Um, by and large, there's a lot of portraiture in, in here. So um, moments documenting important uh, times in, in people's lives when they get married, when they have their first child, celebrating uh, national or religious holidays. But these photographers also, as I said, took documentary photos for the state. They took them f out of their own interest. They, they took art photography for themselves. Um, they worked for insurance companies, uh, in some cases the, the police and that sort of thing. So quite diverse, uh, sometimes going out into rural areas and also uh, urban. Uh, so this archive is vast, and even though it's 100,000 negatives, you know, in the case of Abdurman Sakali, his collection is, is 300,000 negatives. So it's a fraction, but an important fraction, and we, we tried to capture a range over a photographer's lifetime or, or oeuvre so that you can see how things changed and capture different moments in time. Mm -hmm. I have I have a question um, out of curiosity because I saw the photo exhibit yesterday at the museum and I saw um, a couple, at least two photographs taken in the studio and the subject, the individual, is um, posing with a motorcycle. And that caught my attention. There are others that they are posing with a radio, you know, with, yeah. And then I thought immediately, oh, okay, modern technology. And that uh, catches my, my attention because the indigenous photographers of um, early 20th century Peru, the, uh, they also made these photographs for the indigenous people, you know, or mestizo people. They would come to the studio and they wanted to have their photographs taken like riding on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know if, if, if uh, any of you can tell me a little bit about the, that because I said, okay, this is, this is an amazing coincidence of, of the topic, you know? We can assume that this was a cultural trend globally. Yeah. So maybe at the same time, motorcycle was very prominent as a prop or something to own in West Africa, the same thing was happening in Latin America. So it could be maybe it was a very, you know, it also shows your status. So being able to afford it, it means you have the money first. And it is maybe the new iPhone we always be craving these days. Maybe in those days having, you know, it's it makes you more popular as well within your own, you know, vicinity where you live as well. That's my own take on it. I think, I think it's okay. Yes, it's exactly what I'm. Uh, what I mean, also, it's your status, it's your your way of living, you know. And you want you want people to know it. You want people to keep it in mind. So I think these are some habits that have disappeared today. You know, it's not like uh, we are keen to go with our object and to see some to take some specific picture. You know, in in a studio. So. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at this and trying to understand also always. I think there is many things to say about it, you know, exactly. Yeah, I would say uh, access to 
modern technology to show how urban uh, your identity is to, uh, and a lot of these things, so a motorcycle, uh, but also a radio, um, like a watch, could show modernity, but it also shows connectivity to global realities and, and, and an awareness because of the news and accessibility and that you're cosmopolitan and, and plugged in. You know, oftentimes today you see pictures of Africans that seem uh, in a Western context uh, that they're depraved or isolated or not um, uh, contemporaneously engaged with political or cultural uh, trends and realities uh, but th these show you exactly if Michael Jackson was popular in 1986, uh, the thriller uh, in San Diego where I grew up, in your father's studio, Malik, there's a man who's wearing a thriller shirt and dancing like Michael Jackson. So it just shows how interconnected and, and with the times uh, and cosmopolitan awareness was there and sometimes these were people's um, possessions and so they would want to record that but other times it, it was an aspiration and so the photographers knew that these were important things and so they would have them as props so sometimes it was the photographer's car that people were taking pictures with sometimes it was the photographer's um, motorcycle or a radio or a phone uh, so the photographers played a role in enabling people to portray their aspirations as well as record their realities. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask Malik and Yusuf, what are the primary concerns for custodians of photographic archives in Mali today? What are the, the obstacles or the challenges you uh, encounter as um, custodians of these archives? I would say, you know, <clears throat> this project came at the right time. There could be no better time. So preservation of the negatives was the top of the list, be able to preserve them. And another thing was also, you know, giving the power, the ownership of our own copyrights. It was a big deal. Most of the time before this kind of projects ever, you know, happened to us, we had uh, people that come, you know, collectors that come there. They have more ownership on the negatives they collect than the photographers themselves. So not only are we able to preserve what we have, but this project also allows us to have the ownership on the copyright. And it will also allows us to reach a very bigger audience, which all those three steps I just mentioned we could have never been able to do in the past. So those are some concerns that are being taken care of right now. So we hope that this will also continue and spread to other photographers that didn't have, the, you know, you have five photographers, photographers in this project. Hopefully, you know, it will be more expansion of this project to reach other photographers as well that make them known, be able to preserve, you know, their works and, you know, yeah. give them the ownership on the copyright as well. Mm -hmm. Yusuf? Yeah, multi-goal is, in fact, are... Uh, uh, achieve in through this project, you know, and adding to what Malik says, for sure, there is preser preservation, there is uh, ownership, there is uh, also uh, diffusion uh, to the audience. But in general, what I can say is that to have a control uh, on his, uh, on our archives. I mean, this is my uh, my point. I mean, before this project, it's like this archive that on really. Uh, doesn't know how to deal with 
but now we have a better idea about this you know and we gain the control on it we gain a kind of vision about it okay um and oh i'm sorry that's okay i was just going to say uh, some challenges that remain are um the air conditioning the climatization of the archives uh, because for sustainability uh you know it it costs money and it it's a it's another thing that we're working on trying to address moving forward to to maintain the preservation of the physical archives through air conditioning environments um but then also there are national archives so these are private studio archives but there are national archives that are equally vulnerable physically they're not stored in the best climatic conditions they're not stored in archival safe materials they're not well cataloged um and so we'd like to include those uh because they tell important aspects of the history of Mali and cultural heritage and would be uh, really important resources for education and scholarship uh, both for people in Mali and then also people working around the globe so these are some areas we're hoping in addition to augmenting as Malik said the the project with other studio archives also national archives and then the issue of air conditioning and um Yusuf how do you foresee um all that these projects as um in terms of long term benefits um when you have your archives for a longer term i mean already you have uh, the proof of uh, you know an activity uh, for uh, for for a, for a while and this is important for us because what was occurring before is as many told once is people coming from overseas and taking the physical archive going with it and you lose you lose completely the control on it you know now we are not obliged to give a physical archive we can work with a digital archive you know this archive is now enough enough for for everything every kind of purpose now in terms of commercialization and this allow us family you know to to see to have more perspective about our archives you know and of course in terms of future we have also to finalize the project because you know there is many archive left and there is uh, over photograph that are concerned also by the project so we have to work on that also so this mean, i think many things has has been done but there is a lot to to be done to be done yet in fact mm-hmm. yes and um uh, what are the plans to uh, for the project uh, moving forward we uh, like uh, <coughs> professor kenneth uh, mentioned and uh, both private uh, archives being preserved and national archives as well being preserved is part of the plan to extend it to a bigger number but I, i'm also hoping and wishing that this will be the beginning of something that will also you know give us more power to go after you know legally after some that, some other collectors that have illicitly exploited some of the works we have So once we have this one in place so we'll be able to collect more that are outside that we don't have control on and some that have been you know illicitly exploited so from now on it's going to be another you know step layer to add it to this project as well and we're all working you know behind the doors planning on okay and Yusuf could you like to add something um, yes this aspect is very important now we have I mean now to know exactly what is inside this active you know we were uh, giving to our people this allow us you know to 
to to to to monitorize a little bit better you know what is happening uh, overseas about this kind of archive you know and this wasn't possible before it's very important for us now to to be aware of what's happening yesterday through this this archives you know yes so awareness raising is is one part of it um Preserving more archives is another. I think uh, immediately also we're working on a large exhibition, sort of a retrospective exhibition with 125 images, a catalog, publication, because there are some um, literature that's that's been published about this history, but by and large... Um, there are sort of narratives that have been created for commercial purposes that um, maybe make it seem like only one photographer was doing some sort of thing. Like there was one photographer as a state photographer when in actuality there were several. And so this collection can challenge that narrative or at least speak to that narrative to contextualize the histories and, and, and show how... Um, important these different photographers were to uh, speak to even Western narratives about Africa, um, to change uh, people's understanding of, of histories and transcultural relations between Africa and the West, um, but then also uh, um, raise awareness and um, contribute to the canon of photography globally uh, so that you know, you, you don't just compare Malian photographer to Age or um, Auguste Sander, but you can recognize the individuality of the artist and what they bring to international aesthetics and, and photography and ways of working with the technology that is new and at the same time familiar. So we can learn from these cultures and these histories and not just as Westerners feel that we have everything to share and nothing to learn from others. Okay, thank you. Um, I'd like to conclude this conversation with a big thank you for all of you to be here today with us. Yusuf Sakali, project manager of the Archive of Malian Photography in Bamako, in Bamako Mali, and Malik Shitu. Uh, photographer and son of Tijani Shitu. Uh, the exhibit at the MSU Museum that opened yesterday is open until when? October 2018. Okay. And um, if you wish to uh, learn more, you can visit the site of the Archive of Malian Photography at amp.matrix.msu.edu. So thank you very much for thank being you, here so. today. Uh, a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And um, uh, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities at Michigan State University. I want to thank our guests again and our technical producer, Daniel Trego. Um, tune in for our next podcast on collaborative edges and we'll see you next time. Bye.